Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, Peter told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. Over the next few hours, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a garden to pray. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said, can you guys just stay awake and pray with me because my soul is crushed even to the point of death. In this moment, Jesus was seeking strength from God to endure the crucifixion that he was about to get started with. And he was wanting his disciples to find strength from God to not give in to the temptation to abandon him. That's what the Lord wanted in that moment. Eventually, Judas shows up with a mob, and you know the whole phrase. He betrayed Jesus with a what? With a kiss. Peter, bouty as he is, pulls out a sword and cuts off somebody's ear, trying to save the day, trying to ride or die with Jesus. And wouldn't you know, isn't it Jesus's character, that the last miracle he did before his resurrection was picking an ear up off the ground and putting it back on the head of a person that came to arrest him and see him crucified. They seized him and led him away and brought him to the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat down among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the light, and looked closely at him. She said, this man was with him too. Peter said, you're darn right I am. I'm going with him to prison and even to death. He denied it. Woman, I don't know him. After a little while, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them too. Man, I'm not. About an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is a tough passage in this Trinity church is. This is God's word. You may be seated. On a lighter note, before we get into the weeds on this, there's been a great video circulating on the information superhighway over the last uh, week or two. You've probably seen it if you're on Facebook or Instagram. I just love it. And it's of a sheep being pulled out of a ditch. I think we have it. And yeah, you, you know what's coming, don't you? So we have it, I'll narrate it. Jesus, save me if you only get me out of here. I will live for you all the days of my life. I will never turn back. Ne never mind, Jesus, I'm good. I'm doing okay now. I'll see you later. Oh. This is nuts. I love that video. I love that video. Nobody loved circulating that video more than preachers. Every pastor friend I had was saying, when people ask me what I do for a living, I show them a video like this. Peter was a pretty good pastor, and this turned out to even apply to him in this moment. 
And the first question this morning is this, what do we do when we are unfaithful to God? Not when we're observing others that are unfaithful to God. What do we do if we get off track and we are unfaithful to God? So Jesus, when he's speaking with his disciples, he says, uh, you're all going to abandon me tonight. They're gonna come and you're all gonna split. And whenever he said this and Peter says, you know, I, I'm gonna stick with you forever, what you have to see right here is that Jesus was referring when he said, you are going to run. It's, he's speaking in the plural, everybody's gonna bolt. But then he's also speaking specifically to Peter, sort of the leader of the disciples. And he knows that this is a crucial time in Peter's life. Jesus says in Matthew 26, gives more detail. Jesus says, tonight you'll all fall away because of me, because it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And so everybody was scattered, not just Peter. But in fact, you see Peter at least kind of trying to make a comeback. He's trying, to, he's trying to follow Jesus. He's following at a distance and he ends up in the courtyard. Where is everybody else? There's no nowhere to be found. So in this moment, we see Peter not living up to his own words, to his pridefulness. I will never abandon you. These guys, these uncommitted people, they might bolt, but not me because I'm the one who recognized who you were, Jesus, ride or die, me and you forever, I will never leave you. You said you would never forsake us, I will never forsake you. And you see Peter very confident in himself. You know, Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. First Corinthians 10 says, be careful when you stand, lest you fall. And I think a word for all of us would be not to ever assume that we are beyond the ability to get in a ditch, to stay humble, to stay close to the Lord, to always say, I need you today. I need you today, Jesus. So Peter says, not me. And in that moment, I, whenever it says the Lord turned and looked at Peter, can you imagine what that must have felt like? Have you ever, you know you're not going the right way and yet somehow you become hard to it and you're just going about your business and, and you're getting in it repeatedly and it says the Lord just turned and looked at Peter and that look was enough. It says he, he was crushed and he went out and wept bitterly. There have been times over the years whenever I'm speaking a message where I feel like through the Holy Spirit, God does kind of that. He looks at a person, something in them clicks that words could never make click and a heart is soft and tears will begin to flow. All I can tell you this morning is if you're in a bad place and you feel crushed by it, that's a lot better than feeling hardened to it. Because if you're crushed by it, there's hope for you. It means that, you're, that you see the agony of your sin. What I just need to convince you of this morning is that God still wants you, even if you wouldn't want yourself. Even if you wouldn't want yourself. So this morning, I'm talking to those of you who shouldn't be in porn, but you are. I'm talking to those of you who have been delivered from addictions and you're finding yourself back into it. I'm talking to those of you who are in a ditch. I'm talking to those of you who know Jesus and who should know better. For those of you who are maybe kicking the tires of faith, what I want you to see is that if Jesus is able to receive his own back, how must he feel for you? He went to the cross for you while you were not at all interested in him. 
And what we learn from this passage, we learn a few things, but one of them is simply this. Number one, you have an enemy that wants you to fall. You have an enemy that wants you to fall. All of the things that we talk about in the Christian life of spiritual disciplines, there are very important things that we do and that we must do. But one of the reasons that we must do it is because we have an actual enemy that wants us to fall. God and good are not the only spiritual realities. We also have a spiritual reality, a spiritual uh, entity called Satan, and Satan has a number of angels that fell with him. Satan, scripture says, was a creation of God. He was an angel who led a rebellion, was cast down from heaven, took some of his soldiers with him, and to this day, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so Satan... Jesus says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And so what we see right here is one, we do have an enemy. And two, God knows that he's working on us. And three, anything that enemy tries does have to pass through the hands of God. Does that mean God wants the enemy to win? In the same trial, the enemy wants your death and God desires your victory. That's how that works. And so whenever God is calling us to lean on him, it's so that we can have victory and win in the same trials that the enemy would like to see us blow out a tire in life and never go any any further. Christians can run into two types of trouble. We can obsessively attribute anything and everything to the devil, to where we are giving him credit for a bad hair day. Not today, Satan. I got my good hairspray. And so we become essentially more obsessed with him than we are glorifying God. But on the other side of it, we can become so oblivious to the fact that, hey, you really do have, have an enemy. Your soul is being fought for. There is someone that wants to see you fall. There is someone that wants to see you fail. And you can get in a ditch on either side, being obsessed with Satan or pretending he is not real. You don't want to do either. There's a line from the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't believe it's actually in the books, but it is in the movie. And it's um, King Theoden talking to Lord Aragorn. Remember this conversation And the good guys are trying to get King Theoden to join the band and go to war because there is an enemy that wants the life of everyone in Middle-earth, whether Theoden wants to acknowledge that there's an enemy or not. And so this exchange happens, and Theoden says, I know what it is you want from me, but I will not bring further death to my people. I will not risk open war. And Aragorn says something that I want you to contextualize for your life. Open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. Whether you want to acknowledge the enemy, you have one. You do. He's at work in this world. He wants to be at work in your life. And if he can bring you down, he will. And that's why as somebody who follows Jesus... You have to know you are never just dabbling in sin. You're never in control like you might think you are. 
when you start going back to old ways, when you give in to holding a grudge, when it's always everyone else's fault, whenever you think I can keep it under control this time, whenever you think this stuff I'm looking at isn't as bad as what I used to look at, you were never in control. In those moments, you were being influenced and you won't get out as as easy as you think you will. There's an old saying that my pastor David Henry used to say, and he got it from some pastor before him, and you've probably heard it before, but sin will always take you further than you wanted to go. It would always keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will always cost you more than you wanted to pay because that's his game. His game is never for you to just be real and just to, to get a little taste and move on and go back. His, his game is to take you out. That's what he desires. So you have an enemy. Do we get that? Because it's true. Second thing is this, you have a God who can give you strength to stand. You have an enemy and you have a God who wants you to be able to stand up to the enemy. You have a God that will ultimately make you entirely victorious over your enemy. And so we see Peter's trial coming at an incredibly intense time. The enemy wanted him and the enemy wanted him to fail. And the enemy was also after Jesus. And so whenever the Lord took his friends to the garden to pray, it was to find strength. And so we know Jesus's prayer, Father, if there's another way to do this, if this cup can pass from me, let's do that. Not my will though, your will be done. And you remember, he goes back to his friends and repeatedly they are sleeping on him. Now, scripture actually says, I think it's one of the gospels says they were sleeping because they were sorrowful and they were exhausted from their grief. They are crushed in this moment as they're realizing what is happening to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, tired or not, crushed or not, discouraged or not, I need you to pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Jesus says, hey, wake up, men. You're exhausted. I get it. I need you to pray so that you won't enter temptation. Do we get that? Pray so that you won't enter temptation. They gave into their bodies. They listened to their bodies. I know how to deal with stress. I'm going to eat 64 pounds of Doritos. I know how to deal with stress. I'm going to bed. I'm not getting up. I just, I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to binge watch something. I don't want to carry the weight. I don't want to face up to what I'm doing. And Jesus is saying, pray so that you won't enter temptation. So that whenever it does come and it's every bit as hard as you fear it is, in that moment, you can stand. That's what Jesus wants for his disciples. Guys, pray so that you don't enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, Peter. You will go with me to prison or even to death. I heard you, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what Jesus is saying though, is he's saying you will find strength in your flesh through spiritual means through spiritual means. That's why for a Christian, going off the rails and finding yourself deep in sin almost without fail is accompanied by a lack of prayer and worship in your life. That whenever we don't prioritize the things that give us spiritual strength, 
we find ourselves getting into darkness in our private life because these are the things God has ordained for you and I. That through prayer, through praise, we silence the foe and the avenger. We quote that a lot around here. That these are the ways God gives his strength to us. You know another way that he gives his strength to us? Through one another. Through one another. This is why sayings like this, I can just as much meet with God in a boat on Sunday morning as I can in church. I can just as much feel God on a golf course as I can anywhere else. Listen, I'm not even saying you're wrong. Me too. I can feel God in the woods. I do, and I love it, and it's awesome. But I cannot be obedient to God's command to be part of a body if I'm running around like I am my own man. And neither can you. You may feel God out in some other setting, but you still need real men and real women in your life who love him. And if you don't have others in your life who love him, If you were just visiting other people that believe like you do on Sundays, you will find yourself isolated and at the mercy of an enemy who has a tactic for you. What do we see on every National Geographic documentary ever? That lions go after the straggling zebra, wildebeest antelope, whatever. It's the one that ends up bounding or just slow, gets behind, gets detached. Those are always the ones that are easy prey. Whenever they're around their brothers and sisters, their family, it's much harder to get to them and pick them off. Do you see what what I'm saying? This is one of the reasons here, friends, that we prioritize life groups so much. Did I mention today that we have open life groups in our church right now? So we have a few up here, whether you're young adults looking for children or what, you know, whatever. Here's the thing. You need other people in your life who love Jesus and love you. If you don't get that, it is a matter of time before you're not here or before we're just another church that you used to go to or before something. I'm just saying somehow. You've got to have people in your life that know you enough and love you deeply enough to tell you the truth about yourself when you don't want to hear it. Here's what Proverbs 18 says. One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. I'm not going to put myself around anyone else that can ever encourage me or say, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. He rebels against all sound wisdom. You have a God that can give you strength to stand but his means are interesting. It's not always just a Holy Spirit zap that fills you with power. Sometimes, but then other times God has said, hey, pray, even when you're fatigued. Get surrounded by brothers and sisters, be lifted up. So you have a God who will give you strength to stand. And then number three, here's what you have to know. You have a God who still loves you when you fall. You have a God who still loves you when you fall. Do you realize that you were never able to act good enough to be even a little closer to salvation? You were never able to act your way into God's love, and you can't act your way out of God's love. God loves you. Such a statement really bothers some of us. It's like, no, I've got to be good for him to love me. No, listen, you've got to trust in him. He will not drag anyone kicking and screaming into heaven who doesn't want to be with him, but you've got to know that he loves you. Independent of your performance, that's just how 
That's just how it is. And so you look at Peter and in Mark 14, the same exchange when people are saying, hey, I think you're them. I think you were with them. I think you were with them. It says eventually Peter started to curse and swear. So he started to curse at them and then swear to God, go to hell. I don't know what you're talking about and I don't know him. This is basically the worst picture of taking the Lord's name in vain that you could ever imagine. And did not Jesus say, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the father. And you look at what Jesus is is enduring right here at the hands of, it's bad enough to be executed by unbelievers, but to be rejected by your sort of your top student, someone you love and have given yourself to. And he's saying, I don't even know that guy. What do you do if you've gone off the rails that deeply? Is Jesus done with you? Not unless you're done with him. He is always willing to receive you back if you will just come, always. So in Mark, the two Marys go to the tomb. This is after Jesus is crucified. Peter must just think he is done. I doubt he is thinking that there is any hope left for him. And so the women go to the tomb and an angel speaks to them. Hey, Jesus isn't here. He's risen. And listen to what he says. Don't be alarmed. He told them, you were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him. And then he says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. I'm betting that Peter wouldn't have put himself in that band of brothers anymore. I've blown it. I've blown it too big. I said I didn't know him. I said I didn't want anything to do with him. I cursed and took an oath in the name of God that I didn't know him. There's no way he still wants anything to do with me. And the angel is saying to Mary, hey, everybody needs to know he's back, but... Peter in particular really needs to know that this still applies to him. So what I'm telling you is if you know better and you're in a bad place, his love still applies to you. You would say, no, it don't. I'm telling you, you don't get to decide how much God loves you. You just don't. You're not big enough for his job. You don't get it. I don't get it either, but he's just that wonderful. That's the way he is. You would say, but you don't understand. I've done so much, so much. Your sin is not bigger than the sacrifice of Jesus on behalf of your sin. The depth of evil in your life does not compare to the magnitude of good of his life. So I don't care what kind of sin you're in, sexual emotional, drugs, addiction. I I make a list. I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter if you're convincing yourself that Jesus's love isn't still there for you. I'm just saying, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Listen to me. And if you're not going to listen to me, listen to, listen to God. The angels say, Hey, go tell the disciples and Peter, he is risen. What he has done is enough for them. And you know the story, right? Maybe we'll go into depth on it next week. But Jesus does welcome Peter back to himself. 
not just back to himself and then says, I love you still, but you're really second class. The hope I had for you, you know, no more. Jesus doesn't just grudgingly receive Peter back. He restores him. And that's what God's after with you. He wants to restore you. I don't know if you might need this message for you or for somebody you love, but we need this message. Number four is just God wants you back. God wants you back. So Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail. Simon failed, but ultimately his faith didn't fail. Jesus says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. If you're far from God, he's hoping you'll turn back. He's banking on it. When you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. That's your part. No matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn around. You don't have to have the future figured out. You just have to have this moment figured out. Are you willing to repent? Are you willing to say, God, I am where I shouldn't be. I need you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Are you willing to do that much? Because can we go back to the sheep video one more time? Just because it was so, just because it was so fantastic. And God compares us to sheep, and, but we're made in his image, and we should know better, and so that's why this is not as funny, you know. But you know what happened after he got in there? He got stuck. Do you think they turned off the video and walked away? No. <laughs> they went and got him out again. <laughs> I love that. Slow-mo. Slow-mo. Listen, God's not done with you. That's the message of the day. God's not done with you. Aren't you glad he's that good? Yeah. Yeah.